It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union, live Coming to you on Twitter Spaces once again and taking your questions. If you're on Twitter Spaces, you can just request to join and you can come right on and ask your question live. If you don't prefer to do that, you can get your question to me one of two other ways. You can either just send it to me via Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports or you can record a voice memo and email that to me. Bobby Mac, B-O-B-B-Y-M-A-C at BlueJackets.com. Blue Jackets wrapping up an incredibly long and exciting weekend of hockey tonight when they take on the Toronto Maple Leafs at 7 o'clock over at Nationwide Arena. It has been, um, boy, it's been something, hasn't it? It has been something. This weekend's worth of games. Uh, You had the Los Angeles Kings here on Friday night. A disappointing ending to that game for the Blue Jackets because they were down one to nothing. They scored three times in less than a minute. They had a three to one lead. That lead was chipped away at by the LA Kings. They wind up tying it. It goes to overtime. Blue Jackets think they win it in overtime. After a video review, the goal was offside. Now the game is being played again and you lose. So somebody asked me the next day, hey, did you win last night? I said, well, ironically, yes, we did. And then we lost. Uh, Everything happened in that game on Friday night. And then Saturday came, and the Rick Nash retirement ceremony was just, it was out of this world. It really was. It was was something else. And I'm going to take a question from Twitter because for me to talk about it, I might as well answer the question at the same time. Uh, Mark Carell II says, Saturday was pretty emotional with Nash and the return of Nick Foligno. How were you throughout the day? Were you excited? Were you eh? Or something else? Throughout the day, to answer the question, um, throughout the day, it was a game day. Uh, there, there's the game the night before. It goes to overtime, as I said. You come in the next day. You're looking to get your work done. Boston's there. You know Nick's going to be in the building. You know there's going to be the number retirement, but you're just kind of you're, you're going through your stuff and trying to get your stuff done. That's how I was coming in. I was getting my coach's interview. I want to make sure that we're lined up for the extra 90 minutes that we're going to do on the radio network, uh, carrying the ceremony. Uh, Do we have enough stuff to to work around uh, the time that we need to kill before the ceremony itself itself starts? And uh, then when it's over, before our pregame show starts, you know, just talking about all of that stuff. So it it was kind of business as usual for me at that point in time. That's the honest answer. And uh, then I came home and then because I, I I don't say no to people. And I don't say no because there are things that I want to do and they really sound good at the time. And then when I go to do them, it doesn't feel like it is the time to do those things. But I had uh, I had promised that I would do the, um, the district championship high school game at the Ice House between Upper Arlington and Olentangy Liberty. And that game started at 2 o'clock. So I go to the rink, I'm getting all my game stuff done. I come home, I change into a suit, trying to get something to eat. I have to be back down there to do a game at two o'clock. And, and then I got to go over to the, to the Blue Jackets game. 
So like I said, like when I'm agreeing to this, I'm like, oh yeah, I'd love to do that game. That'd be a lot of fun. And then the day comes and you're like, why did I stack this in the middle of my day? Well, thankfully I did stack it in the middle of my day because that was an unbelievable high school hockey game. It was played terrifically by both sides. It, it was an amazing game. It was a game where Upper Arlington scored twice in the first period and they totally outplayed Liberty. Liberty came back in the second period, cut the lead in half, came back in the third period about halfway through and tied the game. I, I mean, it was a game where there were a ton of big hits. No player cried about being hit. Nobody got mad. Nobody swung sticks. Nobody tried to throw a punch. Nobody cried to the referee. They took their hit. They got up off the ice. They got back into the play all day long. Both sides. It was great. It was amazing. I loved it. I loved the intensity it was played with. And with 26 seconds left in the third period, the clock was stopped. Upper Arlington called a timeout. They had the offensive zone faceoff. They won the faceoff, but they pulled it back past the defenseman. Liberty rushed out to the neutral zone. They got the puck. They actually came down in a 2-on-0, and they were stopped. And Upper Arlington got the rebound and came back, and they scored with 4.9 seconds left in regulation time to win the game and advance to the state Final Four coming up on Thursday. It was an amazing game. So at the beginning, I'm saying, why did I put this game into the middle of my day? And when the game was over, I was like, thank God I put this game in the middle of my day. It was awesome. It was so fun. So then I go over and just get something to eat, go upstairs, getting ready. But when I got upstairs on Saturday night and I looked out from my booth onto the ice, it had been transformed since the morning skate, obviously. They had put the number 61 out there. The podium was out there. The chairs were out there. The carpeting was out there. The stage was set. And then it really started to hit me. Like, you have to realize, this is something that I've been talking about for months. Within the office, the people that are putting this show together, this is a months-long process. Didn't happen in a week. Didn't happen in a day. There are so many people that have worked their tails off to get to this point. That's what I was thinking. I thought, wow, this looks really nice. This is really, really exciting. And then the ceremony itself happened. And I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away. All those people on the Blue Jacket staff that spent all that time planning, acquiring things for the ceremony, going over the timing of it, they did a fantastic job. Absolutely fantastic job. To me, it was run like clockwork. I don't think it was. I think it was a couple minutes late, went over a couple of minutes. Who cares? Who cares? The speeches were great. I loved seeing Doug McLean back in the building. I always liked Doug. From the time I was in Syracuse, he would come to Syracuse, and you know he you knew he was going to get mad about something because he always did. But he was going to be fine five minutes later. And we would spend time after the game. I'd go with the coaches and would go out and, you know, talk about the game, talk about players. And I didn't. I, I just listened. I wasn't doing anything. They, they, no one ever asked me my opinion. Thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> it usually was the same as the coaches was anyway. But um, so I've always liked Doug. I've always respected Doug. Um, you know, he, if it wasn't for Doug McClain, the Columbus Blue Jackets wouldn't be what they are. It's just a fact. I mean, as uh, Jeff Rimmer said during the ceremony, like he would tell everybody 
about the Blue Jackets, before there was even a building, before there was a name, before there was a logo. Doug McLean was the Blue Jackets in, in many ways. And um, I thought it was very fitting that he was back for that ceremony. And uh, I, I loved that he was there. I loved how he was uh, how he was welcomed by the fans. I thought it was great. Ken Hitchcock being back, that was awesome as well. First coach to ever take the Blue Jackets to the Stanley Cup playoffs. The guy that Rick Nash says single-handedly transformed him as a player into an all-around player, not just a goal scorer. It, it was great. And if you think I'm not going to talk about the speech that Aaron Johnson made, I have to. Aaron Johnson, to me, I think I've told this story on the show before. If I didn't, I'll tell it now. Uh, even if I did, I'm going to tell it now. But when Aaron Johnson was a rookie in Syracuse, the buses that we had at that time had a VCR. Nobody had the phones. Nobody had their uh, PlayStation. Nobody had a tablet. Nobody had any of that stuff. So whatever movie was going to be watched was going to be the one in that VCR. Simple as that. If you didn't like that one, too bad. And uh, they would have a rookie be the movie guy. When Aaron Johnson was a rookie, he was the movie guy. He is still to this day, by far, the best movie guy we ever had. So that's why it's funny to me that he's in this job, this team services job right now, because to me, he was doing that a long time ago. He was picking the right movie. Now he's picking the right everything for these guys. But as much as, as I have talked to Aaron and as many laughs as we have had over the years, both when he was a player and now that he's back in the office, I never knew that he could stand up in front of 19,000 people and pull off that speech that he did. I should have known because that's his personality. He's the all-around great guy. But it was a great speech, and it set the tone perfectly. The perfect balance of humor and appreciation. I loved it. I loved it. It was great. And then when Rick spoke, the way that Rick took the honor that was being given to him and kind of gave it back to you, gave it back to Columbus, I thought that was really special. And the whole thing, I'm, I'm sitting here a couple days later, and I still, as I talk about it and I go through it in my mind, it was, it was fantastic. And again, everybody in the Blue Jacket staff that had anything to do with that, and, and there were some people that had a lot of big things to do with it. And if I start going through and I talk about the people that I know did, then there's going to be other people that I didn't know had something and, and they're going to get left out. So I don't want this to sound like it's the Oscars, but I, I don't want to leave anybody out of it. But those of you that were busting your tail on this thing for months, congratulations. It was fantastic. It was terrific. I don't know how it could have been done better. And it really just set the tone for the night. And then the game, oh, the game. It was frustrating to lose in a shootout, but that game had almost everything. Seesaw, back and forth, up and down. Jake Voracek scores with 1.8 seconds left in regulation to send it to overtime. It was fantastic. And then yesterday, I went to the Chiller North, and there was a Heroes and Legends hockey game. Columbus Fire against Columbus Police with... Ex-Blue Jackets, Buckeyes, 
Columbus Chill players, Columbus Owl players. Um, what else? Oh, Miami University. They were represented there. And that was so fun to watch and be a part of, too. It, is, it has been an amazing, for me personally, it has been an amazing three days of hockey. It has been a, a weekend where, you know, we always talk about, you know, the growth of hockey in Columbus, and we talk about, you know, um, it, how great it is here and how some people don't appreciate it, and, and you really should because, because it is really awesome. And this, these last three days, and now it's going to be a fourth today with the Maple Leafs here, but these last three days for me personally is like if you just lived hockey in those three days like I did, you would, you would appreciate everything about hockey in this community. And it's, it's just been, I, I don't, I don't even really know what to say about it any more than that. It's, it's really, I, this is my 13th year here and these last three days going on four tonight have been just so, I was, I was going to say eye opening. It's not eye opening. It's just a reminder. It is a huge reminder of how big the Blue Jackets are in this community, of how the people in the early going made the Blue Jackets, how Rick Nash made hockey fans become hockey players, all of that. It is just a huge reminder of how awesome this place is and how awesome hockey in Columbus is. It was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And I can't wait for tonight's game. And it's, look, it's been grueling for this team. It's a third game in four days. Everybody has been high octane, whole nine yards, you know. I don't have to tell you, you know. But it's, uh, emotionally, it has been, it has been Great. It has been absolutely great. Now, we always talk about the dog days of the season. We get past the 50-game mark, around and past the 50-game mark. You have a weekend like this past one, it puts the dog days in the rearview mirror, you know, because there's so much other stuff going on, so many other things that you're appreciative of. But now tonight, there are two points on the table. Two more points on the table. Last game of the homestand, and the Blue Jackets want those points in a big, big way. All right, I got some email questions. Hey, if you're on Twitter Spaces and you want to come on, just request to uh, to speak, and I will add you, and you can ask your question live. I know some are doing that. I'll get to it in just a few moments here, but uh, I want to go to some of the questions I already have. Let's start with Paul. Hey, Bob, Paul in Columbus. So I won't be the only one to say this today, but I'm going to say it anyways. What they did for Rick on Saturday was very, very special to see. Um, from the stories that were told to the videos that were shown and the literal blue jacket that was given to him, everything all in all was very, very special. I'm sure it was very inspiring for the players, and it must have been just quite the sight to see. Um, and then to have Nick Foligno come home, come back and get his tribute video and see that ceremonial puck drop with the three captains was <laughs> it was really really cool. I don't I don't think a lot of teams get to have a do a ceremonial puck drop like that and hopefully the Blue Jackets will sell that picture of that uh moment cuz I'd love to have that framed in my office. 
So anyways, on a side note, I heard your interview with Jack Roslevic and wanted to get your, your, maybe you could shed some light on the guy because we can only hear him through, you know, press conferences and, and interviews. Um, but they interviews, I don't know. They just don't seem like Jack really is enjoying himself this year. I know it hasn't gone very well for him. I know it hasn't started out the way he anticipated probably, but he's playing better. He's doing well. The team's playing well. And in these interviews, he's just kind of, yeah, sure. Uh Uh-huh. It, at least that's what it comes across. Very monotone, very, I don't know, not very happy. It seems like, but maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe there's something there. Um, or maybe that's just Jack's personality. I don't know. If you could shed some light on it, that'd be great. As always go blue jackets. Well, uh, yeah, I listen. Jack's just—he's kind of a quiet guy, quite frankly. I, he's just—you know—some guys are very, um, some guys are very outgoing, and some guys are kind of quiet into themselves. Jack's just a quiet guy. Uh, he, uh, yeah, I don't know, don't know what else, what else to say to you. I mean, obviously, he loves being here. He's playing hockey at home. He's playing NHL hockey at home, and. He he's not going to be he's just not going to be a loud talker. He's just going to go out there and and uh, do his job. And listen, so many of these guys clam up when they get a microphone in front of them. Anyway, there are some guys that have outgoing personalities that as soon as you start an interview, it totally changes. I hate that. I wish they wouldn't be like that. But um, you know, it just they've got to be comfortable with what they're doing, right? So so that's the thing with Jack. He's uh, Jack is fine. He's fine. And and just because he sounds monotone or you know he, he keeps it down in his interviews it's look it's uh he's just a quiet guy simple as that just a quiet guy all right let's get another uh email question brought in here hi bob it's greg in cleveland okay so i've got feedback a question and a request um first off twitter spaces i love that format it's similar to like a live radio well it is a live radio show essentially without the radio um, so I'm really digging that. I'm going to hold off on returning to that though, because I got to work on my audio. Something is up. Uh, it sounds like I'm talking to you through a tin can with a string. Um, question the inside edge interview with Jack Roslovic. There was something that made me turn my head when he's like, yeah, we like to something to the effect of, you know, wow teams with our speed and our physicality. And speed, okay, physicality, eh, uh, where is he coming from with that? Um, and then the request, can you do an episode? I mean, we could bring Jean-Luc Grandpierre in this, and I'm sure Jody Shelley, and um, I don't know if, because, you know, Torts is no longer with the organization, if it's appropriate if you could bring him back. I want to hear some of those rusty bus stories back from, uh, you know, the days of before the league is the way it is now. Uh, and minor leagues and all that, I, I love hearing those stories. If we can have an episode of something like that, I would greatly appreciate it. All right, thanks, Bob. All right, Greg, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, I can't help you with your Twitter Spaces audio. Uh, I I don't know. I I have enough problems. <laughs> I still there's still glitches going on when I'm hurrying through things and like uh, and I was earlier uh, hurrying through things and it wasn't going so great. But anyway, I can't help you with that. Uh, Jack Roslevic and the physicality thing of it. Yeah, it's not physicality like we're used to seeing. Although I think that uh, since Justin Danforth got back into the lineup, uh, it is. I, I, Justin Danforth is hitting 
pretty much whatever moves out there that's not wearing the same jersey he is. So that's good to see. But some of that physicality, maybe you put it in, in quotes because what they've talked about and what they're doing, Brad Larson has told me this many times this year when we've talked, um, talking about the uh, – just talking about bumping guys. You, you don't have to hammer a guy. You don't have to drive him into the glass or knock him into the boards. But sometimes if you just get the body on them enough just to – you can even bump them. You can slow them down. And we were in Chicago, and I talked about this with Sean Corrali, and he said, yeah, like the guys, especially these swift skating defensemen, if even if you just get the body on them for a second, and instead of them being able to take those two quick strides right away, they've got to hesitate. It, it changes the complexion of the entire play. So the physicality, he might be talking about some of that with physicality. Because I know what you mean. This isn't like drive guys through the boards anymore, anything like that. I get it. But, um, you know, with that being said, I think Justin Danforth is still doing that, which I very, very much enjoy watching. And as far as those old bus stories, that's a good idea. That is a good idea. Uh, when you were asking that, I was thinking, the way the league is now, it's, it used to be you could go through and ask any player on your current roster, and you'd be able to get the stories. And, and now it's just totally different. Some of them don't go to... They don't play in the ECHL or the AHL. And um, well, it's probably junior stories of riding buses, but uh, it's not like it used to be. But as far as uh, the better stories are probably the ones like you talked about with the guys that are retired. Uh, I know Torch has some great bus stories. I know he's told some of them before, and I know he has a lot more of them. So that is a good suggestion. I will uh, put that in the back of my mind and uh, try to remember to act on that sometime soon here, Greg. All right, one more email question uh, coming up on this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Hey, Bob. It's Cameron Maynard here in Forest Hills, Kentucky. I got, I got a couple questions for you. My first question is, what do you expect the Jackets to do this offseason as it pertains to, like, trades and free agency? You know, I don't know what their cap situation is or how much cap space they have, but, you know, do you expect them to go out there and make a big leap to, you know, acquire a big-name player like in a trade or, you know, sign a big-name player in free agency, you know, kind of be as active as they did, you know, last summer free agency, which they were giving away all their, you know, franchise stalwarts. But, you know, do you expect them to do the opposite and bring big-name players to Columbus or a big-name player to Columbus this offseason. And my second thing is, um, my second question is, what player who, you know, who, who what player this year uh, do you expect to make big contributions and be a big-time part of the team next year that, you know, where they're, you know, that, you know their stat line really doesn't uh, reflect it this year, which, which, you know, their stat line may not be impressive this year, but – you expect them to take a big leap next year and make a big contribution to the team. And look forward to you answering my questions. Thanks, Bob. Well, Cameron, I think there are two guys to answer your last question there. I think Cole Sillinger and Igor Chinikov are going to be um, much better players next year. I think they're really good players right now. I think they've both shown flashes in their own right. Um, but I think that with a year of experience – and then going into a training camp next year where they know how to approach it, they know how to get through it, they know what to expect overall, they know they know what it's going to be. This year, they, they didn't know. I mean, you, they could say they know, and, you know, Sillinger grew up in a, in a household when, where his dad played in the NHL, but still, you've got to go through it yourself. You've got to experience it. You have to figure out what 
works for you and how it works for you. And I think just for that reason alone, those two guys are going to be much bigger contributors next year than they have been this year. And they've been playing. They've been playing. They're learning a lot as they play. And it doesn't show up every day right now. But I think when you project and you look ahead, they're going to, here's, here's the first thing that's going to happen. They're going to go into the offseason knowing they're making the team next fall. That's huge. That is huge because having to come in and wonder what's going on is extremely distracting, especially for an 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old kid. Just knowing, having that comfort of knowing where you're going to be, that will be huge because now they can just prepare for that. I know I'm going to be here. I've got to be ready for that. You know, they're coming into their first camp, and they they hope they're going to be here. They don't know they're going to be here. You know, Chinikov doesn't know if he's going to wind up in Cleveland. Sillinger doesn't know if he's going to wind up back in junior. So they hope they're going to be here, and they're trying to get ready. Like they're, I think this is how I've got to get ready. This is how people told me I have to get ready. I'm going to try to get ready like this. Next year, they know where they're going to be. And they'll know what they have to do to get themselves fully prepared to be there and be ready to go. So I think that is going to be huge for both of those guys. No doubt in my mind that that is going to be huge for them. And I, and I think those are two guys that are going to, that you're going to see even, even more out of next year. Uh, as far as the off season and uh, acquiring a free agent, I don't know. I I don't know that that's necessarily in the cards. It depends on where you are, I think. Because remember, we were talking about this whole retooling deal and if you are retooling, then you are um you know, I I think they're I think they're ahead of where they thought they would be. But are you at the point where you're going to go spend free agent money to bring somebody in or are you going to it's going to depend too. I I think they're going to get some answers when Kent Johnson comes out of Michigan and plays at the end of the year. And when Marchenko comes in, um, there'll be some more questions answered. Maybe they'll feel they need somebody. Maybe they feel they won't. I don't think it would be a, a big splash kind of a guy. I think, um, I think if there's a fit, if there's something that fits and works into the, you know, into the cap and, you know, the free agent thing they're going to be concentrating on is Patrick Line, who is a restricted free agent. So all you have to do is qualify him. You can keep him for another year before he becomes unrestricted. But that's going to be the um that that's going to be the guy they're going to be worried about and concentrating on. There's no doubt about that. But again, if if something comes up that fits, if it's going to fit within the salary cap structure, if it fits within the needs of the team, then Yes, they would pursue that, like they did with Sean Corrali this year. And, man, what a free agent signing that has been, huh? That's been terrific. But I don't I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and predict that they're going to go make a big splash because I don't know that that's uh, necessarily in the cards. All right, let's go to Twitter Spaces and uh, bring Jordan on the show. Hello, Jordan. Uh, it's good to hear from you, Bob. I, uh, uh, it's good to have her here from Monday today and uh, – what do you expect for tonight since Jake Bean is back in the lineup um, to play against the Maple Leafs? How do you how do you see Bean like um, after he recovered from his injury? Well, you know, first of all, it's going to be great to have him back. I mean, this is a guy that we were, 
you know, thrilled that uh, Yarmo was able to get in a trade with Carolina last summer when he picked up that second-round pick from Chicago in the Seth Jones deal. I thought Jake started off really well at the beginning of the season, and then he kind of tailed off a little bit. I don't know if that is um, if he had fatigue or, or what it might have been. I have no idea. But then he gets injured, so he should be fresh and ready to go here tonight. I'm hoping we see the Jake Bean that we saw at the beginning of the season. That That's what I'm hoping that we get uh, here this evening. Although, I'm just going to say this, he could be a bit rusty because he hasn't played in a number of weeks, and you're going up against a team tonight where uh, you got to have your legs immediately in the Toronto Maple Leafs. So, but uh, I, I'm glad to have Jake back in the lineup. I think he's uh, an important part of what this team is going to do with their defense here in the next couple of years. Absolutely. I mean, you know, even if the team doesn't make the playoffs, I'm still I'm still okay with it. I mean, you know, with this team, I mean, after the two call or after, um, you know, after Saturday's game against the Boston Bruins, you know, how do you think Nick Foligno felt after coming back? Even the even though he wasn't in a jacket jersey, how do you think he felt? You know, appreciated from you know coming to Boston and coming to Columbus. You know, even though he's not a captain. Well, I mean, I I think he, I can't necessarily speak for Nick, but you know, I would imagine he felt great to be back in that atmosphere that he happened to be back in, and watch. Uh, what was going on with Rick Nash and being there in front of 19,000 people and watching the way that whole thing played out. Look, the bottom line is he was happy when it was over because his team got two points they desperately needed. So there is that. But uh, knowing Nick, I feel safe in saying he had a great uh, deal of appreciation for everything that went on that night. Uh, I, I got to see him after the game, and it was literally for a minute and shake him a hand and say good to see you and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I'm sure that uh, – with the amount of time that Nick spent here as a player and the fact that he's going to come back and uh, live here when he's done playing, I'm sure he had a great amount of appreciation for everything that went on that night. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can't even, you know, go wrong with that, even some of the guys. I mean, taking after the Jake Borchenko with two seconds, as you were just talking about, I mean, two-plus seconds, how did that look? I honestly thought I was afraid we were going to get beat by Boston with at least that much time left. Yeah, well, <laughs> every second counts, as they say. And, uh, yeah, it was good to see Jake uh, shoot that puck. I talked to Brad Larson about that earlier this morning, and, uh, you know, he said, well, Jake knew there was no time left. He had to shoot it. And it's just ironic because the guy that's got three goals on the year is the guy that gets a huge one to uh, tie the game. But that's the veteran in Jake. He knew exactly where they were in that moment. He knew that time was running out quickly, and he knew that if he got the puck in an area where he could shoot it, he just had to let it go and hope for the best. And uh, that's what he did, and that's what they got. So, uh, you know, good on him, and it made it really, really exciting. Yeah, and I mean, you know, not not every player is going to be, you know, expecting from it. I mean, when I watched how they were talking about behind the battle, uh, what they were expecting, because what Brad Larson was saying, you know, you got to take one day at a time. I mean, there's no, like, individual who could be perfect. You know, you just got to be a team and, you know, work together. Communication is just as important to, you know, be a support, not only to your, you know, defense and offense, but also to your netminder. Because you got to give, you know, Coach credit. I mean, he's, he's helping to rebuild what I consider as a, team that would have been like he would do the same like torch would 
rebuilding this team. Yeah, he just does it in a little different way. There's no doubt about that, Jordan. Thanks for uh, thanks for being on today. Appreciate it. Yeah, he does many of the same things. He just does it in a different way. His relationship with the players is a little bit different. His approach is a little bit different. But as we see from these games, um, the expectations are not different. Uh, the demands are not different. And this team, if you look at it right now, it's playing a lot more like the teams that we've seen play over the last six years. Uh there's there's much more, um, well there's there's much more checking in ways, and I know I was just talking about that just a little bit ago. Uh, not physical play, but there's more stick checks. There's more uh, stick on stick where they're disrupting plays just by getting the blade of the stick on the stick of the guy that's carrying the puck. And whether you knock the puck off the stick or not, you you change the timing of what's going on. So uh, there's a lot of that going on. There's shot blocking going on. All of those things. So, uh, yeah, he's he's doing a good job. His players are doing a good job. They're everyone's bought in. I, I think that's the the real thing about it. Everybody is bought into what is going on here. Hey, if you want to be on uh, if you want to be on the show, I, I hesitated because I want to elaborate on that, but I also want to tell you if you're live with me on Twitter Spaces today and you want to get on, all you have to do is request to be a speaker, and I'll let you on, and you can ask your question. But Everybody's bought in, and Patrick Line is the uh, the perfect example to me. He is he is a great example of uh, what's happening here, and you know you see Patrick. He's, he's back checking. He's he's not just floating around and trying to score goals. He's doing a lot of things. He's all over the place. That tells you that he's bought in. And look, when you play on a line with Boone Jenner, you have to be cognizant of how he is playing. All out, all the time. So you better be all out all the time if you're going to be on that line because there's a direct comparison. Your centerman is on it, on it at all times. And you've got to keep up with that. So I, I think that's good. I think that's great. But they're bought in. There's no doubt about that. They uh, they are uh, they're on the same page. They really are all around. Um as Jordan said, Jake Bean is back in the lineup tonight. Gavin Bayreuther comes out for the Blue Jackets here this evening. And uh, what else is the – what other change? Oh, uh, Emil Bemstrom is out of the lineup tonight. And Brendan Gauntz is going to come back into the lineup, which, which I think that's a good thing. I mean, Brendan Gauntz was playing really well. He kind of got uh, dinged up there in the first period against New Jersey last Tuesday night and uh, sat out the weekend. So I think it's good to have him – back in the lineup and uh, going to do what he is going to do. And I hope he's going to do some really good things uh, here again during this, uh, during what's going on here. I have some Brad Larson stuff. Now, wouldn't you know, I haven't previewed this. Like, I know what I talked to him about. I know exactly what I talked to him about this morning. I don't know if I'm going to be on the right question here. I guess I can... Uh, I guess I can just kind of sneak peek this and when you talk about line Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Here we go. I've got it. I've got exactly what I'm looking for. So we we're talking about the Rick Nash ceremony earlier and Ken Hitchcock being back in town. And you know, I was talking with Brad Larson about the about the ceremony and, you know, what it what it meant for the team, what it meant to him, you know, just watching the whole thing and um but I asked him about Patrick Line. In particular, because Rick Nash is talking to Ken Hitchcock from the podium to the world and crediting him with turning him into a complete player. 
making him a complete player, not just a goal scorer, not just a one-dimensional player, making him a complete player. And I said to Brad Larson, uh, is that a good thing for somebody, for somebody like Patrick Line to hear, to hear Rick Nash talk about that to Ken Hitchcock, basically to hear that message coming from somebody other than you. And this is what he said. Absolutely. And that's the special moment about it. And I hope the guys were really listening. Uh, he's a number one overall pick. This isn't a guy who was in the fourth round who slid and, and turned himself into something. He was I've talked about this a lot. Expectations. You know, Patty's a number two overall. So he, he understands what expectations and he got drafted to a Canadian city and, and came in uh, scoring like gangbusters. Right. So sometimes stuff can get, go through the cracks and, and people tell you how good you are and, and it's OK. Uh, if you're scoring goals, but to be a premier player in this league and, and if winning's important, I always talk to players about uh, what winning looks like. And you look at the Bergerons of the world, you look at the Sidney Crosby's of the world, they're, they're not a one-sided player. They're not a one-trick pony where it's just offense and nothing. They're, they're committed to, and you saw Sid grow in that when you watch him over his career, how he, he, he didn't let things bother him in the playoffs. Teams would come after him. He just stayed focused and then he would get you on the scoreboard. Um, and, and there's lots of guys in history like that. And Bergeron's probably one of the best two-way centermen in the league. So a guy like Patrick, I think I keep saying this, he's young. And and I think there's just there's so much more in his game that for us all to be excited about. And I think he's just tapping into a little bit that. We know the offensive side. But you start to see his overall effort now when he's finishing checks, tracking pucks and, and stripping guys and, and doing those things. That's when those guys start to take a step. So to listen to a guy like Rick Nash talk about it, the importance of it, how he had to adjust his role in Team Canada uh, to be a checking line and and being known as a premier scorer, uh, it, it's it's huge. And that's the growth of a player and in, in the guys who buy into it. That's when they take the next step in their career. So there's uh, Brad Larson talking about what kind of an effect uh, just hearing Rick Nash talk to Ken Hitchcock the other night during that ceremony, what kind of an effect uh, – that that could have on a player. So, um, you know, it's uh, it was good. And I, I enjoyed uh, listening to that. And and uh, just getting his, uh, getting his perspective on all of that, as a matter of fact. So tonight, the Toronto Maple Leafs are in town, 7 o'clock face-off over at Nationwide Arena. And uh, we will be on the air at 6.30 with pregame coverage on the Blue Jackets radio network tonight and also on Bally Sports Ohio. Last game of this homestand, and then the Blue Jackets are going to hit the road, going to play the New York Islanders in their brand-new building, first time ever they're going to play in this building, coming up on Thursday night, and that'll be a Metropolitan Division game. But this is a big one tonight uh, against Toronto. The Maple Leafs will want revenge for what happened when they were here just a couple of games ago when the Blue Jackets got the win in overtime. Hopefully the Blue Jackets are going to have their legs underneath them tonight. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to be able to go, and they're going to pick up a victory. That's what the hope is, and uh, we'll see how it plays out over at Nationwide Arena. Thanks for all your questions today. Uh, i got to tell you about Ohio Credit Union before I leave because at Ohio Credit Union, they've been servicing the Central Ohio and Southwest Ohio area for a long, long time, and they've done it beautifully, masterfully, as a matter of fact. Uh, you should go to their website at tellhio.org and you should look around at the different services that they have. It could be something as simple as a personal checking account. It could be as complex as a small business loan. Who knows? Uh, that and everything and anything in between, go to tellhio.org and look at the different services they have and the perks that they offer along with those services. Tellhio, 
as uh, they're, they're open to anybody, open to anybody in Central and Southwestern Ohio, and they are federally insured by NCUA. All right, so that's going to do it once again for this Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union, Blue Jackets, and the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, 7 o'clock at Nationwide Arena. Until then, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.